Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Mark Vandermeer with you, and we've got a good one. I always say that, don't I? Maybe not. I'm telling you, though, I am really excited about this. Merrill Reese, voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's 76 years old, got the job in 1977. He's one of my heroes, really. He's been doing this thing for a long time, obviously. I mean, he called the Super Bowl with Ron Jaworski playing the Raiders. My goodness. The one that Dante Pastorini should have been playing, but he got hurt for the Raiders and Plunkett took over and the rest is history. And also James Palmer, one of my favorite people in this business. James Palmer from NFL Network, used to be with CSN Houston. You know him well. He's a great guy. All right, before we get to Merrill Reese, Freddy's Frozen Custard. Boy, I could really use some right now. They have... 15 locations in the greater Houston area. New food truck custom designed to bring the steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard you love right to your event. Freddy's Original Double Steak Burger is a game changer. So check it all out, Freddy's Frozen Custard. All right, let's get to it. Merrill Reese, voice of the Eagles. It's a pleasure to have you on, sir. How are you doing? It's great, Mark. Uh, just doing fine these last few weeks. Well, it's a strange season for the Eagles coming off the win in the Super Bowl, Merrill. So tell me something. How surprised are you the way that things have gone on this year for the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, it's a complicated answer. It really is because, yes, they were the Super Bowl champions. They were phenomenal last year. But this is not the same team that was present on February 4th when they beat the Patriots in uh, Minneapolis. It's a different team. I mean, Garner players like Garrett Blunt, who played a big role on that team, he's gone. Brent Selleck retired. Bo Allen, who was an important part of the defensive line rotation, he is gone. Torrey Smith is gone. Um, I, I can add others. I mean, there were players that were key members of that team who were gone. I mean, Jay Ajayi came into the season, but he got hurt. Corey Clement came into the season, and he got hurt. And then you add a couple of coaches, Frank Reich, who's now the head coach of the Colts. Uh, you add the quarterback coach, uh, John D. Filippo, who went to Minneapolis, went to Minnesota as the offensive coordinator, and then he is out of Minneapolis. That happened a couple of weeks ago. But the entire dynamic, the entire, the, the, the whole group of players, it, it has changed significantly. So that's why... Uh, when people say, well, how come this Super Bowl champion hasn't been more representative of that team? It's not that team. But in the last month or so, they have played better football. They are getting better. And, uh, and that's something to see. But they, and here I'll give you another reason. Uh, another thing is the fact that last year they had their share of injuries. But they were really in different departments. They, they lost uh, their left tackle. Anytime you lose a guy like Jason Peters, it's a significant loss. They lost uh, their best linebacker, Jordan Hicks, for the season. They lost their best special teamer in Chris Maragos. They even lost their kicker, Caleb Sturgis. Uh, they, they lost a lot of different players. But it was one from each position. This year they had so many injuries concentrated in the same department in the secondary. And that's a difficult thing when you have trouble figuring out who you're going to line up each week in the secondary, in the corners, in the safeties. Voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, joining us on Texans Radio. The win over the Rams, how much of a surprise was it to you? I know you said they've been playing better at times lately, but that was a huge upset. I wouldn't have picked it. <laughs> I, I'm not a betting man, but I certainly wouldn't have bet the house on it. But I, I felt, look, if the Eagles went out there and they played well, 
Uh, anything can happen. We, I remember, I mean, when you've done games for a long time, as I have, you, you go into a situation and you know that anything can happen. I know that you have to feel that in your frame of reference, too, where you go into a game that you think this is going to be show up and you're going to beat this poor team that's got all kinds of injuries, and, and suddenly you find the upset take place. Or you go into a game where you are convinced that there's no way and then it goes the other way. You just never know what's going to occur when you go to a stadium. Nick Foles, it's an interesting drama that he comes in again late in the season with a lot on the line. What are you seeing from him this time around? Well, he distributed the ball. Uh, Doug pointed out, Doug Peterson pointed out at one of the press conferences that Nick Foles was a basketball player, a terrific basketball player growing up, along with a quarterback uh, in the Texas area. And he said that basketball experience comes in because he's like the point guard. He's distributing the ball. He's letting others make the plays. And that's what he did. He didn't panic. He was very much under control. He found his open receivers. He went downfield when he could to Alshon Jeffrey, who made some tremendous receptions. And Nick Foles is a winner. He's a guy who has a lot of experience, and there's a certain calm about him. And he went about his business and did just a great job. Made one mistake, one uh, interception against the Rams. But other than that, he played a great game. Merrill Reese, voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, joining us on Texans Radio. All right, let me get some history from you here. In your opinion, you were there for the Super Bowl loss to the Raiders with Jaworski at quarterback, and mm-hmm. also, obviously, Donovan McNabb losing to the New England Patriots in Jacksonville. Can you compare and contrast those two in terms of the emotions involved getting to the Super Bowl? They're both losses, but it was great to get there. Can you discuss that? Yeah, and that was the case. Uh, They got to the Super Bowl against the Raiders. uh, That was after the 1980 season. And everybody thought they were going to win that game. I mean, they had beaten the Raiders once during the regular season. And they were never really in that game. They came out. There were some interceptions. Nothing worked for the team that day. And that was a tremendous, tremendous letdown. It really was. It was It was something that the city carried around almost to the following season. Uh, the game you're talking about against the Patriots in Jacksonville, that was a game that nobody was confident about. I'm talking about the fans, the media, because the Patriots are indeed the Patriots. And people still point their fingers at Donovan McNabb. But uh, I, I don't think it was Donovan McNabb. Uh, Donovan McNabb was under pressure all day. He did not get the blocking that he needed. And Tom Brady could have stood back there and read War and Peace and still had time to look up and find the receiver. So it was the Patriots. Uh, the finger was still pointed at McNabb, but the Patriots were the better team probably that season and that day. Uh, this time, again, they went up against the mighty Patriots. But the way this team moved through the season, the way that even after Carson Wentz went down and Nick Foles got them through that Rams game and picked things up and won the opening game of the playoffs, everything worked out. It was the perfect storm where they got the bye. They got the Falcons, which everybody thought was the best matchup in the opening game. And they won that. Uh, Fortunately, a a last-second pass went awry. That, That certainly could have changed that game. But the Eagles had what it took, and, and they went and they, they won that game. Next week, I think it could have been a different game if, indeed, the Saints came here. But the Vikings stole the game miraculously from the Saints. So Minnesota came in, got off to a great start. Eagles came back. Patrick Robinson intercepted a pass and took it for a 50-yard touchdown. 
And from there on in, the Vikings were out of it. I mean, the Eagles just absolutely robbed to win. After that win, I truly believed, and I think so did the legions of fans, that this was the Eagles' year. And it certainly wasn't easy. I mean, that went to the final play. But a lot of us felt that this was finally going to be the Eagles' Super Bowl, and certainly we were not disappointed. Voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, joining us on Texans Radio. From the outside looking in, it feels like Dick Vermeil is more loved in Philadelphia than Andy Reid. Is that the case? Yes. I'm not saying that saying that Andy Reid uh, didn't have his fans, and there are still a lot of us here who admire, respect, highly evaluate Andy Reid. And but I, I always felt that Andy Reid with the media at his press conference, at his weekly press conferences, and you know as well as I do, this is the way coaches communicate to the fans. You knew that Andy didn't enjoy it. And Andy was a, was a quiet guy on camera, uh, not very emotional. Dick was the opposite. If you look in the dictionary under the word charisma, there's a great big picture of Dick Vermeule. He had tremendous charisma. He had tremendous passion. He was emotional. He would cry after wins as, as well as cry after losses. I think he cried more after wins. Mm-hmm. But Dick Vermeule just connected with this entire city, and he still does. His pictures are up on billboards for a Blue Cross, for which he is a spokesman. And Dick Vermeule still lives in this area, came back to this area, never left it, had a, a permanent house here. So you're talking about a guy who just totally connected with this city. But that takes nothing away from Andy Reid, who has more wins than any coach in Eagles history, who, when you know him, is just a great person and has been a a tremendous success. The only thing he didn't do here was win a Super Bowl. Merrill, you're a unique individual in that you're the voice of an NFL team and you're also an owner of a radio station in the Philadelphia area. Tell us about that. Well, I uh, have a managing partner. I am a managing partner uh, of a radio station, WBCB in Levittown, which is a Philadelphia suburb. And I've been part of that for 22 years now. It's a station that I worked on uh, earlier in my career and came back many years later, about 25 years ago, uh, to become a managing partner. And I go up there every day. I actually act as vice president, general manager. And then uh, during the football season, I leave. Uh, after a sales meeting, I come down and I spend the day with the Eagles, often go back there, uh, do a show on there once a week during the season, and love working with the young people who are trying to get started in the broadcast business. And it's also an, uh, an online television station. We do as many as six or seven high school football games online uh, on a weekend. We do quite a few schools basketball games. We do wrestling. We do hockey. We do a lot of things up there. It's, it's a lot of fun. I just love the experience of getting up there and working with the young people. Merrill, you're one of my big influences, even though you don't know this, but I always wanted to be the voice of a team and stay that way for a long period of time, which is obviously something you have done. And clearly you must have had opportunities to do some other things along the way, play-by-play-wise, that might have taken you away from the Eagles. So why and how have you stuck with it so long being the voice of this NFL franchise? Well, to be honest with you, I, I have had opportunities to work for eight other teams, eight or nine. I forget it's been so often over the years. And I have also had uh, the opportunity to work for uh, the network television uh, 
stations, networks, uh, as one of their guys. But uh, this has always been my dream. Uh, the Eagles have always been my team growing up uh, to be able to travel uh, half the time that you would if you were a network uh, telecaster. And also, uh, the uh, it was CBS Radio, now it's Entercom Radio. They have always made sure that I am happy in every possible way. So it's it's been a dream come true when people say to me, uh, how long would you like to do this? Uh, when are you going to retire? And, uh, and and they say it in a, in a respectful way. I say, I'm going to do this. I want to do this forever. And the word retirement is not in my vocabulary. I see the field better than I have ever seen it. I understand the game better every year. I prepare harder every year than I did the year before. There is no job in the world quite like it. I, Mark, I am a very, very passionate golfer. Uh, in the spring and summer, I may fit in 100 rounds of golf. But I want to tell you something. If it were a choice of playing Augusta or broadcasting an NFL game, the NFL game wins hands down. But 1A might be playing, playing golf <laughs> on one of the great courses like Marion. I love it. I love it. All right, one more for you. The NFC East. I feel like everybody thinks their biggest rival is Dallas. Who's the biggest rival of the Philadelphia Eagles? Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> you ask the fans. They'll tell you Dallas, but the team I root more against than Dallas. <laughs> now, I, I don't know how many times you've done this. I, the team I root against more than they do the Dallas Cowboys is the Washington Redskins. And the reason for that is, have you worked a Redskins game in, in, at FedEx Field? It's the worst place in the world, and I feel bad for you that you're in the division and have to go there once a year. It's terrible. You, that view is awful. we in the corner of the end zone, yep. low enough so that people yell and scream at us, an overhang that prevents us from seeing the scoreboard. And when someone runs to our right across the 50, I can't tell if they've picked up six yards or 16 yards. Mm -hmm. So I root against the Redskins and Daniel Snyder. They're my (laughs) personal rival. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, I understand the fans and everything else. But believe me, the, the Redskins are the team I would least like to see win. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much for being with us today, Merrill. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I look forward to seeing you, Mark. I know I've, I've listened to you often. You do just a, a terrific job calling the text. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Merrill Reese, voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Love having him on the program. Now, James Palmer, NFL Network. Let's get to him. Before we do, the Texans spending countless hours, of course, prepping for game day every week. And they rely on Bose QuietComfort 35 headphones, too, to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps you do the same. Concentrate on your music, your work, or whatever you're passionate about with QC35 wireless headphones, too. Learn more at Bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. All right, here he is, James Palmer of NFL Network. James, how are you? I'm wonderful to be in this place. I don't know if I've sat at this desk in this room really? before in my life. This I've always been it. in the other room. I like this. Yeah, we moved here a couple of years ago, and it's wonderful to have you on. And I know we visited, like, at the Combine. We visited mm-hmm. a training camp. Owners meetings, I think. Owners meetings. And yep. here you are. All right, so. Good to be here. You've been here a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you're working for the old folks again. The I old love folks it. meaning CSN Houston. Yeah, you know, it's and we'll go back to an, to where Comcast all started back in Philadelphia on Sunday. They have the two tallest 
skyscrapers in the skyline of Philadelphia are that's both, theirs? Are both Comcast. Yeah, that's wow. where Comcast started. That's where the first Comcast regional sports network is. And yeah, I've had, it's been nice because last year I, I was actually talking to John Weeks about this today. He goes, oh, look at Mr. Frontrunner coming around. We didn't see you you know, in the first three weeks. I said, listen, I, <laughs> listen at NFL Network, we cover the biggest storylines. Mm. Last year I was Mr. Doom and Gloom coming here. Yes, I was were. covering huge storylines, but they were all terrible. They were all negative. Deshaun Watson, J.J. J. Watt, I mean, being here for those, and, and so I was like, I'm happy to be here when things are going well. So yes. I've done, I did back to back games. I did the Browns game and the Colts game, right? They were back to back, right? Yep. I did those two, and now I'm here, and I'll be leaving to head up to Philadelphia a couple days early to go talk to them. I've been telling people that win over the Browns looks like a heck of a win right now. That's oh, yeah. a good team right now. It is. It, it really is. I mean, I did some stuff with them leading into their game against Denver, and Denver went in probably a little too confident, thinking it was probably the old Browns from people how that I talked to. That, and I don't know how you do that. But, I mean, it, it's funny because I don't think it's the smart move, but Greg Williams is making a great push. Right now, if anything, the other guy that nobody's talking about, what Freddie Kitchens is doing is is fantastic. Yeah. He's putting his name in the hat for an OC job or maybe more like around the league. I mean, he, he is getting noticed for what they're doing. With Why Baker. won't they keep them? Will they keep that staff? Well, I said I said I, I, that's why I don't know if keeping Greg is the right play, mm-hmm. but it's hard to argue with. The guys I've talked to up there and how they want to play for them, how quickly he's changed the culture. I think the relationship with him and Baker, the way they have similar personalities, very outspoken, jab at each other, that type of thing. Their connection and the way Baker has obviously connected with the city so quickly, it's kind of setting up to be like that's kind of the Mm no-brainer. But I think keeping Freddie, what he's done with Baker – Number one is right. that's your franchise. That kid is your franchise. If this is the connection that that makes him successful, I would do anything to try to keep Freddie. James Palmer from NFL Network joining us here on the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. What about in Denver? I know you do a lot of work there, so what's going to happen? And, you know, Vance obviously has ties here, and there's a lot of guys in this building that, yeah. that love Vance, like Jonathan Joseph. Kareem Jackson will tell you what Vance did for his career early on when he maybe had some early struggles. And I, I think – one of the things that that does not bode well for Vance is last week going into that game, he kind of calls out two of his best players. He says Case Keenum has to go out and make more plays for us. He needs to be a playmaker. He had gone five straight games without an interception. They thought he was playing a little more cautious than maybe they wanted him to with where they were in the standings. And he wanted Vaughn, and he called out Von Miller for jumping off sides a couple of too many times. And mm. and then he says we all need to be more aggressive. We need th- this is crunch time. Let's go out and play in these last three weeks. And then on fourth and one, he kicks a field goal as opposed to going for it, Ooh. thinking he could get the football back, and obviously doesn't. And time runs out, and they lose. And that that call right there. I think hurt his chances moving forward. But I know with John Elway, a lot of it is going to play into the fact for two reasons. One, is Vance the guy, obviously. Two, who's going to be available? I think right. what happens elsewhere. If if the Ravens somehow go crazy and think John Harbaugh should not remain their head coach. They can't do that. I mean, I think, I think it's nuts. I was on the radio in Baltimore yesterday talking with the guys about it, and my comparison is directly like this. It's it's Andy Reid in Philadelphia. It's essentially mm-hmm. you've gotten used to the same thing for a really long time, and you kind of forget how good of a coach you actually have. Now, Philly did say, remember when Andy left, they were like, we think he's a great coach. We just need a change. It's been too much of the same thing the last several years when Andy and the team started to fade over the last couple of years, and that's kind of what's happening in Baltimore. Well, it looked good for both sides in that sense where – 
Philly goes and wins a Super Bowl. Andy goes and continues and coaches brilliantly in Kansas City and plays well with Alex Smith and obviously Patrick Mahomes. So maybe everybody wins in that sense. I don't know if the Ravens move on if everybody wins because I don't know who's available in a sense. And I think from what I'm hearing, Black Monday might not be uh, a very pleasurable day for quite a few head coaches. Wow. Uh, I did interview Merrill Reese this week. Oh, he's the best. He's the greatest. I I knew this, but Mm -hmm. I never really talked to him in this format before. Uh, but I asked him, Andy Reid and Dick Vermeil. Andy Reid went to five NFC Championship games, mm-hmm. right? Went to one Super Bowl, lost it. Vermeil goes to one Super Bowl, loses it. But he's more loved in Philly. I said, I'm guessing that from afar. Am I correct? What do you make of it? I know you're from there. Yeah, I, w- I would say that's the case. I think um, sheer personality and nothing against Andy. I like Andy a lot. I like covering Andy. I like talking to Andy. But Dick had that that. that personality of wear your emotions on your sleeve just kind of it was a you know the the clock management issues the the issues that they had with those teams that had such beloved members of those defenses like Brian Dawkins and and guys that are just into the fabric of Philadelphia and to not get those guys Super Bowls really rub people the wrong way but I, I think Andy's still somewhat definitely liked in the city but people get in Philly. It's if you keep getting that close and you can't get over the hump, you got a problem. It's not. Let's yeah. look at how many times we've gotten close. That is not the way Philadelphia yeah. thinks. I, I think a lot of markets will feel that way. You're mm-hmm. failing at a very high level. Exactly. So give me that kind of failure. Yes, but after a while, hey, can we get there, please? Exactly. I mean, it's just like the Texans. Uh, you know, are, are a much lesser version of that with Bill O'Brien when you have. Three winning seasons to start. You had last year's bottoming out, but here they are again, winning season, maybe playoffs, you hope, and you think they're going to get there. But they're going to want eventually a championship exactly. out of this or at least get exactly. close. And I think he needs a little bit more credit in all honesty. I thought I saw a stat the other day. It was, what was it? He has four winning seasons in his first five years yep. as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Tomlin went five for five with winning seasons, I believe. Yep. And another coach, who is it? Harbaugh. Might have been Harbaugh, went five for five. Yep. And then he's the, and he's the only one behind them. Yep. I mean, and it's and I think what he's been able to do in those early years in terms of getting getting the most out of his team, I don't know if he gets enough credit for what he did those first couple of years. Yeah, uh, he's got it going on right now. Tell me something about this league, James, because I can't figure it out every week. Uh-oh. I mean, the Saints you can't figure in it Carolina. Out, I, you know, who's good? I, I can tell you who's good. I don't know who's great. I don't know if we're going to find out until we get to January. I think that's the fun part about this. I mean, I was talking to Demarius Thomas in the locker room, and I'm like, when have you seen a season like this? Where, you know, he was remembering, he goes, I remember one year with Peyton where we thought we were playing well, and then we were still looking at the standings going, man, we got to find a way to win these last couple games to clinch, or like, yeah. we're, we may not be in, and we think we're a really good team. And he said, this year's kind of that type of year where it's like, there's this muddle in the middle because teams, like you said, like all of a sudden the Rams are having some struggles. You're seeing the Saints struggle offensively. I think what Dallas was able to do and expose, you know, that dink and dunk game with if you've got really fast linebackers and you have good linebackers that can take, take Kamara and stuff right out of the backfield in the passing game. What happens late in the season, usually from my standpoint, is some defensive coordinator out there against these offenses is going to go, oh, I see how I can exploit this and I know how I'm going to stop it. Mm-hmm. And then they do it and the rest of the league goes, oh, yeah, we have the personnel to do this to stop that. And then those teams that are really rolling early on have to make another adjustment, and everybody has to keep making these adjustments. I've been told Cooper Cup, not in L.A. right now, is really affecting them. But okay. I think, personally, I think nobody from what I, who I talk to, as well as my opinion, nobody wants to play the Chargers. 
I mean, right. nobody wants to play the Chargers. I mean, they are a physical team. Their only problem, really, is to make sure Phillip Rivers doesn't make two bonehead plays. Right. And if he doesn't, I don't think anybody wants to play that team. I'm not sure if anyone wants to play the Colts right now, either. Nope. I mean, uh, Texans fans witnessed what Andrew Luck did here, and then the next week they go and win a different way. Right. So teams that can win multiple ways, I think, are the teams that scare people. Like I just did the Ravens and Bucks game last week in Baltimore, and the way they're running the football is is unbelievable with Lamar Jackson. But is it sustainable? I mean, they got yeah. a great defense, one of the best defenses in football. If they could turn the football over, that defense is just nuts. It's so weird. They're like first or fifth in everything except turnovers. They're like second to last. They just can't get a turn. And that happened one year here. Remember that? Right. Yeah. Good numbers and. And hey, even in 13, I think there were 7th overall yeah. with a 2-14 and 14 team, but they couldn't get any turnovers. Exactly. And then I think the next year they like led the league, and we were close to the top in yeah, turnovers. And it was almost year. like the same, t- same players. That really helps. This just in, it helps when it, you get them. It really does. I mean, you know, the more I've talked to guys in the secondary and the way offenses have gone and the direction we're headed, nobody cares about yards. I mean, right. nobody cares. It is... How many turnovers can you create, and how good are you in the red zone? I mean, yep. that is the only thing that matters because you can't off stop. The board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the more guys I talk to, and this is why I think I like this secondary is they tackle so well. Only thing is, and Denver did this when they when they played the Steelers. We're gonna and and they beat this. We're gonna let you get not let you catch the football, mm-hmm. but you, you we'll play in, behind you and you'll catch it and we'll tackle you. And the more plays you have to run during your drive, it increases our chances of getting a turnover. And we eliminate the big plays, you tackle well, no yards after the catch, and that's the way defense is being played now because you know these offenses are going to go out and get theirs. Like right. It's going to happen. So how do I extend the drive to increase our chances of getting a turnover, and how do we play in the red zone? I mean, that's really the only things that are now mattering with defenses because it's also getting incredibly hard to play defense. So that's the other part of it. You right. know, these guys in the secondary know that I just got to make the tackle you and live another down. execute, right? Exactly. Yep. James Palmer, NFL Network, joining us. So the Philadelphia Eagles, what do we make of them after beating the Rams? And, oh, my gosh, they're out of it. They're going to die a horrible football death. But, (laughs) no, they're not. Here they are with Nick Foles. And they look different with Nick Foles. It's hard to say better, but it's hard to argue that they're – I can't say they're better, James. What are they with Nick Foles? What they are is – and they went and did this, and this maybe just made everybody around them better. They were almost trying to do – and this is from – people in Philadelphia more th- than my opinion. They were trying to do too much in a sense. If you looked at them, there's you know, those last several weeks with Carson, it's it's tons of motion. You're moving guys pre-snap like crazy. They simplified all of that last week against the Rams, and they wanted to go up tempo a little bit, so losing that also went with, let's, let's speed up the tempo, let's lose some of this motion, and let's go out and play exactly what Nick likes to play. And they went back to a lot of stuff from training camp that they liked. Not to say they got away from it, but maybe they tried to evolve it almost a little too much over the last several weeks, and they just kind of went back, looked at what Nick likes to be successful, and, and and when they put that game plan together, which Gro should get a lot of credit for that, more so than Peterson against the Rams, and they kind of changed what they did in terms of get, get the ball out quick, but at the same time, Nick likes to go downfield, and I think they played well up front. I mean, they've had some issues in terms of health up front with Kelsey and Peters being banged up, but they played really well up front. And that front, that front four, man, is just is killer. But they've had so many injuries on the backside of their secondary. I mean, they got guys playing that weren't even part of the team like a month ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of injuries. So I think what you what you saw last week was they set Nick up to succeed, and he he stepped in. This is the Super Bowl, uh, you know, MVP. 
Um, and they 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 play their best, and this is the way it's always been with Doug. They play their best when their backs against the wall. When mm-hmm. when when they have a little bit of breathing room, sometimes they're a team that lightens up a little bit. When they have no room for error, that seems to be when they play their best football. Well, I hope they feel light. I hope they feel light and airy on Sunday. James, thanks a lot for joining us. No problem, Mark. This is great. James Palmer of NFL Network. Thank you for being on the podcast, and thank you, Merrill Reese, as well. Check out all the other great podcasts right here on HoustonTexans.com or wherever you got this one or wherever podcasts are available. Check them all out. I'm Mark Vandermeer. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.